Hey there, and welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast, your place for weekly sermons, church updates, and more. You're currently tuning into our weekly sermon cast, so grab a pen and notebook or get your notes app ready, and let's dive right into it. So uh, we're talking about freedom, and so you guys deserve free Kona Ice today. You're an awesome church, and so uh, it's on us today. All right, Galatians chapter 1, we are starting into a new book series. Uh, Some of you like to do this, just go through a a book of the Bible, or letter, as we're going to learn today, uh, of the Bible, and to just break it down verse by verse and chapter by chapter. And so for the next six weeks, we're going to take each one of these chapters in Galatians and go through it and learn what Paul was saying to those folks, but also still speaking to us today. So I would encourage you to take notes throughout this series. And there are notebooks available for sale out at the Welcome Center, but if you're a guest today, you get one free. And so uh, it's an advantage uh, for being our guest today. All right, we're going to look at Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle. So let me just stop here and say Paul is the author of of this book. And uh, we call it a book, but really what it was is this apostle, and he says, I'm an apostle. Uh, What is an apostle? An apostle just simply means sent one, okay? It's somebody that's sent, and Paul was sent to build churches, but what he really felt called to do was be sent to those who had never heard, to those uh, who were unreached, Uh, There wasn't another church just down the road that they could go to or whatever. Uh, It it was a place where these Gentiles, which Gentiles were just non-Jewish people, so anyone who wasn't a Jew uh, was a Gentile, he felt called to share with them. And so what he would do is he would be sent and he would go, sent by, and we'll see this, sent by the Holy Spirit, sent by God, he felt like, and... um, He would go to this city, go to this town, and he would raise up believers. And uh, he'd build a church there and train up people, and then he'd leave it with them and go do it again. And, And just do it over and over and over again in that known world. And we really are recipients still. Uh, This is incredible to think. But we are recipients still of Paul reaching non-Jewish people and having such an impact with his life. And uh, what he would do then, he would stay in touch, and we'll see this in a moment, he would have people who traveled with him, and and so occasionally one would go back and, and go visit where he had built a church before, and then they'd report back what was going on. And then Paul often would write a letter back to that church and say, hey, I heard this about you. I heard this was going on. And so he would sometimes do some correction and encouragement and things like that. And so what we're going to find today is he sent this 
epistle, which again, epistle, some of your Bibles might even say the epistle of Paul to the Galatians. And epistle is just a letter. Okay, it's just a letter. And so this letter would go back. And uh, this case, Paul is going to straighten something out. Because what happened is, is after Paul left, some other people came in. And they said, oh, it's awesome that you got the gospel. It's awesome that you uh, are followers of Jesus now. Now, did Paul tell you about what you also need to do? And they're like, uh, no, maybe not. And, and he said, well, they said, um, you, you need to also do this ritual so you can really be like us. And then once you do that, then you're really in. And so Paul writes back because he's going to set them straight. He's going to correct them in this letter. And uh, because what, what he wants them to do, and here's what he wants you to do, and what God wants you to do, is live free. Live free. And, and so today, my goal, my, my hope, my prayer is that you would live free. That you would live free in the relationship with your heavenly father that he has and offers to you. So the big idea of this whole series is free and to stay free because sometimes we don't stay free and there are forces that want to put us back into bondage and so we don't want to do that today. So if everybody's found your place, Galatians chapter one, verse one, Paul, an apostle sent, there it is, sent not from men or by a man, but by Jesus Christ, the God, the father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers. And notice this, he felt that God sent me here and that's how I feel. And God has something he has for you to do. Now, for Rochelle and I, what he said to us is go to Avon and start a church. And uh, I didn't know it was going to be in a movie theater or anything when we moved here, but that's how it turned out. But God said, go. And God has something for you as well. And he says, and, and I've got all the brothers and sisters with me. See, he traveled with some people. He had his, his, um, his posse with him. And so he writes to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself, now notice he, he, right out the gate, he's going to preach the gospel again, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. That's good news. And let me tell you something, 2,000 years later, how many think we still need rescued from this present evil age as well? According to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then in verse 6, it, it's kind of a key verse to understanding the context of this letter. So he says, I am astonished. I mean, Paul is like 
freaked out. He, he's like mortified. He, he's like, you know, I left you and I went away and now I'm shocked. I'm astonished. How many parents in the house? You ever gone away for a weekend? You know, and you come back, and I am astonished at what has happened in two days. How could this much be done in two days? And Paul is saying that same kind of thing. He says, I am astonished, look at this, that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace. How many are glad for the amazing grace of Christ in your life, right? And, and, and that's what he called you to do, to live in that grace. But now you're turning, notice this, to a different gospel. I didn't know there was a different gospel. Yeah, there's a different one, Paul says. And he says it's really no gospel at all. And here's the reason why it's no gospel at all, because the meaning of gospel is good news. And what you're accepting, what you're shifting to now, is not really good news. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion. There's some people who came behind me and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. So Paul is upset because these people came behind and they said, oh, hey, hey, um, we're, we're ready for church membership class. And church membership class meets over here and um, did, did Paul tell you about membership in the Lord's church? Yeah, it involves a surgery <laughs> for you men. Uh, because us Jewish people, we know that we are marked. We are the people of God. Because in the Old Testament, they didn't say Old Testament, but back in the law, that, that God gave us a rite, a ritual, something to perform so that we knew we were a holy people. We were separated unto him. We were unlike other people. We were to be his and his alone. And so what we're gonna do is all the dudes line up over here. Now, how many know it's already hard for men to go to church? <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest. You know, and now, now you got to do a surgery to be in church. I mean, can you imagine how small that class is, you know? But, but this is a big deal. I, we, we don't understand this today. But, but it was such a big deal that if you were to read the book of Acts and, and read the history of the early church, it got to be such a contentious thing that in Acts 15, they actually had a worldwide meeting of the church about this issue right here. And, and you can read about that later. But they had this huge debate over this very topic.
And Paul is addressing here, here's what you had. You had the amazing grace of Jesus, and now you're adding law to it. Now you're adding religion to it. You know, it's grace and. And Paul says, what happened is, you you people, there were people that came through, and he, he uses strong language. He says, they perverted the gospel to you. They messed it up. They railroaded something else in there. And look at verse 8. Let's pick it up. He, he, he uses, Paul loves to use hyperbole sometimes, or he'll use exaggerations and different things to stress what he's trying to talk about. And he says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other then the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, now, I'm going to say it again. He says, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win, notice this, win the approval of human beings or God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a preacher. I would not be a servant of Christ. He says, he, he says what happens is, and this still happens today, we move from how great Jesus is to how great we are. Okay? We'll tell people, oh, did you know I've got perfect attendance this year at church? (laughs) Yeah, did did I also say I'm reading my Bible through and I'm up to date? (laughs) Did you know that I now am a member of the church? You know, we'll talk about those things. And Paul says, no, you're moving from the great, incredible gift of grace. And, and you're moving over to dead religion. How many know what dead religion looks like? You've smelled it, tasted it, experienced it. And, and it's just awful. It's terrible. And, and that's the reason why, too, like I hate when people ask me this question that I, I just meet and, and they don't know me and like especially on vacation you know if you're in a pool and you're talking chit chatting or whatever or, or you know you're out somewhere and um, somebody inevitably will ask hey what do you do for a living I hate that question because I'm so tempted to lie when they <laughs> ask that question. Because I want to say something like I'm a motivational speaker. <laughs> you know? uh, I want to say something other than, but usually I'm convicted and I'm honest and I tell them, well, actually, I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor of a church and I watch. And their eyes start, you know, 
some of them start doing this and they start thinking, did I just cuss a while ago? Did I drop the F-bomb right here in the pool? I can't remember. I, I need to replay everything I just said for the last half hour because I, I think I might have said something. And, and, and so they're just like, why? Why is that? I believe it's because of religion. They believe they'll be judged. They believe in a different gospel or they've been exposed to a different gospel. And it's because Paul says some came along and they perverted it. They perverted what God intended until it's not even good news at all. Listen, the reason why it's good news is because you didn't do it. God did it. If you have to do it, that ain't good news. I may know that. One is religion. You know, religion is man's attempt to get to God. The other is relationship, and that's God's attempt to get to you. See, someone, someone has to pay for our sins, and it's either us or God. So your sins are either on Jesus or they're on you. And did you know that's what hell is? Hell is you get to pay for your sin. If you want to pay for your sin, there's a hell. But otherwise, there's a heaven for those who have been paid for by Jesus and his blood that was shed for you and for me. I'm here glad for heaven. I'm glad. So one's based on rules. One's based on relationship. And Paul says, says you know, you, you don't want to go to that. Because here, here's what happens. Religious people tend to go for lifestyle first. Mm. What'd you do last night? What have you been doing? What, 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 what have you been, who have you been with? Where have you been? And, and, and they lead with that. Did you know, it's interesting, Jesus never led with that. He never led with that. He, you remember that guy up in that tree and, and he came to him and he didn't say, mm, I know what you did last night. No, he said, could I have lunch at your house? And everybody's like, does he not know who that guy is? Does he not know who that guy sleeps with? Does he not know he's a cheat, he's a thief, he's a this, he's a that? And Jesus didn't focus on any of that. You read it. But let me tell you something. When that guy came into relationship with Jesus, by the time lunch was over, that guy was different. That guy was different. And, and here's what he's talking about here. Those, those that maybe struggle with Christians. How many struggle with Christians? I do. <laughs> the brand that's holier than thou. The brand that, 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 you know, they're just so holy, they're just so, and they're judgy, and their nose is two feet long, right? 
and just points right at you when they talk to you. And Paul says, that's the other gospel. That's the other gospel. And, and that's not the true gospel. I want you to understand, here's my prayer, here's my desire, here's my aim today. I'll just be right up front. I want you to understand, and I really want you to accept the true gospel of Jesus. The true gospel of Jesus. And that's the reason why at the end of every message, I will invite people, just like in the last service and several in here and no doubt online as well, receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. I don't invite you to join the church. I invite you to join Jesus and to enjoy and invite him into your life. Yeah. But too many people confuse church membership and a relationship with God. And they're not the same thing. And unfortunately, the church in America has polluted this. And Paul, he says, perverted it. And, and what happens is, is, it, is you can move right out of one gospel into the other gospel. And I know this because I grew up this way, okay? We would have tinges of this other gospel, and it would go like this. Oh, don't go to that place, because if Jesus comes back today, mm. in other words, the implication is you won't go. And I thought, oh, my gosh. He's going to, if he comes back, and I'm where I'm not supposed to be, or I'm doing something I'm not exactly supposed to be doing, if I'm not living it just right or whatever, he's going to say, can't find Craig. <laughs> Don't know where he went. I, there's a veil over him because he's at that place or whatever. Seriously. And, and, and so there are people who have received this other gospel. And here's what God wants and what Paul wants is Paul says, I want you to live free. What I offered to you when I was there was free. You didn't have to go next door and receive a surgery to get it. You didn't have to do something. You didn't have to add something. Oh, it's Jesus and this. It's grace and this. No, he says it's free. Let me illustrate this back in the creation story. And you guys know this creation story probably. Or Genesis rather, chapter 2 and verse 8 says, now the Lord God had planted a garden, right, in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle, everybody say middle. The middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So two different trees, two different kinds of things, but the tree of life is there and and here's what he went on to say in verse 16. The Lord God commanded the man, you are free. Everybody say free. free. You are free to eat from 
any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Notice, God wants you to eat from the tree of life. God said, I'm, I'm gonna give a choice though because I want you to choose it because it's not true love if you're made to do something. I'm not gonna make you love me. I, I want you to choose to love me. But here's my choice for you and you can read this in Deuteronomy. He says, I would like for you to choose life. I, I would really like for you to choose life. But then the wheels fall off, Right? Genesis chapter three, verse one. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say? He's still saying that today. Did God really say? And, and here's what he does. He misquotes God. He says, you must not eat from any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. Now, she got real focused on one tree. There were two trees in the middle and one you could eat from. The other, you must not touch it or you will die. And in verse four, the enemy said, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Notice he appealed to her desire to be like God. He, he didn't say, you know, flip God off here. He didn't say, you know, disobey God, he didn't say, why don't you just do what you want to do? That's not what he said. He tempted her with the desire to be like God. And when the woman saw that the fruit of that tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked because that's what happens when, when you do this is that you realize shame in your life. See, that's what religion does, right? Hello? You know, you feel shame. And you feel, well, I'm not going to church. I feel bad when I go. I don't want to be around grandma. I feel bad when I'm around her. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to do that. And, and that's what happened to them. See, they realized, oh, no. Oh, no. It's all on me now. And so here's what they did. They sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves because that's what you do when you try to earn your way back to God. When you think I've got to do it. And there's people in here trying to sew some fig leaves together. Trying to cover yourself, trying to trying to earn your way into God because you've lost the innocence. You, you, you've come into shame, and that's what religion does. As a matter of fact, I'm going to spend the rest of our time 
just comparing these two gospels that Paul talks about here. Uh, Maybe you want to write these down. There's two gospels, he says, and one focuses on what you do, what you accomplish. It's all about you. You know, that you read the Bible every day. Did you know my streak on you version is perfect? I won't tell you how to get around that, all right? Because <laughs> there is a way, but I'm not going to say that, all right? But, but my streak is, is perfect, you know? I've been able to, to just stay perfect this year. And, and, and what happens is, is then you say, oh, you broke your streak. Mm. So you don't have what I have. See, I'm... I'm one of God's special people because I have a perfect streak. I I haven't missed a Sunday this year. I've done this or I've done that. Hello? And, and, And you start measuring yourself against others. Am I more holy? Am I more spiritual? And the other gospel focuses on what Jesus has done. What Jesus has done. See, Jesus, Jesus has done so much for us. He's done everything for us. And and here's what happens. Have you ever ever had somebody, maybe met one of these people where they just, you know, they're they're they've got the perfect streak going and whatever and, and things like that. And they just want to see how do you measure up? I had a guy one time ask me, do you pray in tongues? And then he followed that up with, do you pray in tongues every day? And I thought, you do, (laughs) evidently. Because what's he doing? He's trying to measure up. You know, how, how do you measure up against me? And it's interesting, they're always focused on what they do instead of focused on what he has done for them. See, it's all about the focus. You don't read the Bible. Some people read the Bible to find themselves. Oh, look, I'm on that page. And I'm this and I'm that and it's about them and who they are. No, you don't read the Bible to find you. You read the Bible to find him, to find out who is he, who, what, what is he like. I want to know him in the power of his word and what it says to me. So I want to find him. I'm searching for him. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 39. Look at this. John records this for us. Jesus told the religious people, he says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think in them you have eternal life. You know, if I read the Bible enough, if I go to church enough, if I do the things enough, then I'm good with God. And he says, what you need to know is these are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me so that you can have what? Life. 
Jesus said, I don't know if you know this or not, but the, the, the main verse of this church, what we're founded on is John 10.10. 10. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Not religion, but life. And Jesus said, are you kidding me? You're reading about me, and here I am. Do you know how many people would love to be here right now? Do you know how many people prophesied about me? Their, their prophecies are right there in that book. But they didn't live for the day. They didn't see it happen. Here I am in flesh and blood. I'm going to be here about 33 or so years total. And you get the opportunity to touch me, to feel me, to hear me personally, to see me face to face. And yet you miss it. And how many people do you know that are churchy people, religious people, but they don't know Jesus? Because there's a difference, listen to this, there's a difference between knowledge and experience. To have an experience with God. Here's the other thing is one gospel focuses on getting God's approval. I got to get God's approval. And, and here's what this looks like. Is God's mad and he's coming back. And so I've got to somehow, you know, approach him. And so we're, we're like, you know, oh, Lord, I want to pray to you today. Yeah, it's me again. And I know I've not prayed enough this week and I know I've not been to church enough and I know I've not been enough and whatever. I'm hoping you just overlook all that. And don't smite me right now, please. Just, just it's bad enough. But I wanted to come to you and maybe you would do something good for me. Hello? I mean, I've felt that kind of thing before. Have you ever felt that? Where, oh, I, just, I don't know if he, I don't know if he's in the mood, <laughs> you know. I don't think I got him in the mood yet. And many of you, you worked your parents, right? You know, they, and they caught on to you, you know. Maybe your kids, you, now you see it in your kids. They come up, oh, Dad, your eyes are so blue. <laughs> You're such an awesome dad, you know. And you're just like, what do you want? You know, here's five dollars or whatever, you know. And, 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 and that's the way some people relate to God. They're trying to get God's approval. And Paul says, that's the other gospel. The other gospel focuses on receiving God's approval. He's already approved of me. See, that's what true love does. True love accepts you just how you are. That's what true love does. He doesn't love the sin, but he is head over heels in love with the sinner. Come on, somebody. That's good. Because that's you, right? That's me before Christ. And, it's, and, it, and he, he loves us. And when you live like that, that he really loves me and he can't wait to hear from me. He's, he's standing, he, he, he's just ready. He's like on the edge of his seat. He said, oh, I think Craig's about to talk to me. 
and if if you'll wait a little bit, I'll talk to him too. Because I got some stuff I want to tell him. And I want to help him. And and I want to help him today. And I've got so much. I've got such a vantage point. It's so much better than what he has. And if he'll just listen today, I'll speak to him. I'll help him. I'll encourage him. And I'm telling you, that's what your heavenly father is anxious for from every one of you. He's looking forward to talking to you and speaking into your life. See, the view of God, your view of God determines your relationship with God. If you're like, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, Craig, you pray. (laughs) I think he likes you. (laughs) Sure he likes you more than me. Paul says that's the other gospel. And how this can affect you, I'm just telling you, it can affect you even in this room because you come into this room and we start worshiping and you see somebody and they're just like free. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, they're free. It's like, do they not know anybody else is here? (laughs) You know, the way they're jumping around over there, they're gonna hit somebody. You know, they're just free. They're just free and they're singing about grace and they're singing about mercy and they're singing about the love of God and they can't help themselves because they were lost and undone without God or his son, but God came into their life and they just worship and worship. And you think, well, they've got it, evidently. But I don't think God knows I ain't that holy. God knows that I I shouldn't be worshiping like that. And here's what the enemy does. He tries to hold you back from entering into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise because God inhabits the praise of his people. And if you'd start praising him in freedom, you might really get free and set free by the power of the living God in your life. Some of you are getting this. I don't know. Maybe if I scream a little louder, the rest of you will get it. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, and I want you to know, just a little background here. Romans and Galatians are very similar in their doctrine. And here's what he says in Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for you to get to church to love you. He loved you when you didn't even think about coming to church. In other words, he didn't wait for you to change to love you. He loved you so you could change. And when you get closer and closer and closer to him, all of a sudden you want to be more and more like him. Can I get a witness in this house today, right? That's how he works. That's how he works. No matter what you did, no matter what you did this week, run to him. Run to him. It's the prodigal son story. It's run to him. Don't wait another minute. 
He's anxious. He's ready to receive you. Not to tell you what all bad you did, but to receive you in and say, my son who was lost is found. Put a ring on his finger. Put a robe on his back. Let's set a feast and let's celebrate that my son, my daughter that was outside of my relationship is back home again. That's what he wants to do. And here's what else. Maybe write this down. The one gospel It focuses on external duty. It's a duty, you know. And and here's kind of how duty does, is what did you do this week? And then the answer is, it wasn't enough. Wasn't enough. And then the condemnation comes in that separates us from God. And it's kind of like, you know, I, duty works like this. Duty is I don't want to do it, but I'm supposed to do it. Don't you just love servers that serve like that in a restaurant? You know, it's like, why'd you come? I got to get to work here and bring you food and stuff and whatever. No. And this is how religion works. You know, I've got to go to church, or I need to read my Bible. I need to, you know, get involved. They want me to go to that growth track, you know. And here's what the other gospel offers. It offers an internal desire. See, it's, it's my honor to serve him because he served me. It's my honor to praise him because he lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. When I was lost and undone, when I had no hope and was without God, when I had no good reason to be able to be let into heaven, God, in the fullness of time, I'm going to preach a little Christmas, sent his son down to this planet in the form of man, like me becoming a slug. God did that. Why did he do that? Because I was here or I would be here, and you would be here. And so he said, I'm coming down personally, and I'm gonna take every one of their sins upon myself. I'm gonna pay. I'm gonna die for it. That's the reason why in the Bible they say, and then he was crucified. And and we read that, and oh, okay, and then go on. No, no. No, you don't understand crucifixion. You don't understand he was beaten. You don't understand that he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. You don't understand that he was beaten so bad that the scripture says he'll be unrecognizable. They won't even know who it is if they didn't know, if they didn't put a name over him. If they didn't identify him, you couldn't hardly even know who he was. Why did he do that? Why did he take all that? Because he took my sin and your sin, all the sin that I've ever done in my life, he took it to his cross and he paid for it all. So why wouldn't I worship him? 
Why wouldn't I go to church? Why wouldn't I use my gifts? He gave them to me. It's my honor to serve him. And Paul says, it's a joy to do it. It's a joy to do it. Let me read this real quick. I'll get through the rest of the book here. He he says, "I, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, in verse 11, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. Nobody made it up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ, which is what's going to happen to somebody today. You're going to receive it by revelation from Jesus, that Jesus comes into your life. For you have heard of my previous life. And he tells them, reminds them, hey, I, I was something else. I used to intensely, he was intense about his religion. I persecuted the church of God, tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. I was extremely zealous. Oh, I was religious. Mm. Zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart, I love this verse. This is a verse that, 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 This two verses, 15, 16, I'm telling you, God made these real to me when I was a teenager, when he was calling me into ministry. These verses impacted me. My prayer is right now that some 13-year-old, 14, 15, 16, whatever-year-old in this room maybe or watching online, that this, this scripture will come alive in your spirit. I'm praying over the next 10 years that more young people will be called into ministry through this church and its ministry than ever in the history of this church. Believe him for that. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb, called me by his grace and was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Avon people, the Hendricks County people, West Indianapolis, My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went to Arabia. Later, I went to Damascus, and after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas or Peter, and I stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. Pause. What does it take for your brother to convince you that he's the son of God. (laughs) Think of that. James thought he was a nutcase before he saw him crucified and risen from the dead. How many know that'll do it? (laughs) That'll do it. (laughs) When he saw that, the Lord's brother, I assure you before God, that what I'm telling you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ, but they only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now, check it out, preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. He's been changed. He's been transformed. Only God could do that, and they praised God. God because of me. He says, that's what the true gospel 
does. One more verse, and then we're going to close. 1 John 5, 3 says, in fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. Oh, there it is. Got to do the, do the deal. Got to do all these commands and whatever. What's the list? But notice what he says. His commands, they're not burdensome. See, because when you love somebody, you can't get enough of them. See, I, let, me just, let me just say, I used to not be as neat of a person as I am today. And it's because I fell in love with somebody who appreciates neatness. That neatness is next to godliness. Come on, somebody. <laughs> See, I, I used to think it, it's okay to leave the toothbrush out. It's okay to leave some toothpaste even maybe in the sink. It's okay to leave the, the tube out with the lid off. It's okay to do stuff like that. But then I realized, oh, no. No, it's not okay. And listen, here's what changed me. What changed me is not there's a law written on some wall in our house. What changed me is I love somebody who loves cleanness and neatness and everything in its place, a place for everything, and now I don't even think about it. I don't even think, well, I wish I could just leave that cap off. <laughs> I wish I could just spit in the sink and walk out. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm changed. I'm different because I'm in love with somebody. And let me tell you something. When you get in love head over heels with a God who is head over heels in love with you, you don't have to come to church. You get to come to church. You don't have to lift your hands. You get to lift your hands. You don't get your veins popping out on your neck because of one thing or another. No, I love him so much. I shout his praise. I sing his praise. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. How many believe he's worthy today of your praise? See? This is what happens, Paul says. When you get to the real gospel, oh, it's alive. It's alive. You get over in that other one, and oh my gosh. Today, there's somebody here. You heard about the wrong gospel. And today's your day to come alive in God, to choose life, to choose life, to choose it every day. Let's pray. Father, some of us today, maybe we're tempted. It gets easy for some of us because we grew up with some of this to kind of lean over to the other gospel. But God, we know when we do that, we get condemned ourselves. 
And then we try to judge other people. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Craig, I don't, I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want to be a religious person. I, I don't want to fall into that thing of measuring myself up against somebody else and all of that whole thing. I, I just want to live head over heels in love with a God who is head over heels over me. I don't know why. I don't know why he would love me that much, but all I can do is respond to that kind of love. I, I want other people around me to be attracted to the God that is in me because of the relationship that I have with him. If that's your prayer, if that's your desire today, would you just raise your hand all over this room? Oh man, I, I desire for him to be seen in me. I desire for people to come, be drawn to Jesus because of me. Father, help us today that we not be a reason why somebody would walk away from you, but we would be the reason they'd wanna walk towards you because of our life, because of the joy in which we serve you and live for you. God, free us today from judgmentalism, from condemnation, from all of the negativity of religion and let us live in vibrant relationship with you. Let us be a church that's full of life, life to the full. Maybe you're here today and you would say, Craig, I, I don't have that kind of relationship. Maybe it's because you, you were just raised around religion and the only exposure maybe you've ever had was religion. And you didn't know that that's not what God offers. That's not why he would send his son. If, if, if that was the case, it, it, he didn't even need to come if, if you had to earn it. But instead, God said, no, I'll earn it for you. I'll, I'll take your sin on me. I, I want you to know me so much. I, I love you so much. I'm willing to die for you. And that kind of God, that kind of love today deserves a response. If you're here today and you say, oh, I want that. I, I want life in him. I want to come to him. I want to run to him today. If that's your desire, if you desire God in a relationship with him right now, just raise your hand all over this room. Just raise it up and say, yeah, yeah, I need that. I need that today. I don't want religion. I want a relationship with God. And online, if that's you, just put the word decided in the chat, the word decided, and we're gonna pray for you as well. As a matter of fact, I want all of us to pray. Just pray this prayer out loud so those around you will have the courage to pray it as well that need to connect with a heavenly father today. Let's pray. Say, dear heavenly father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me, to pay for my sin so that I can be free. Today, I receive freedom. I receive grace. I receive your mercy. From this day forward, as much as I know how, I surrender my life to you.
thank you for coming in and giving me a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate those. That's new life, new life in Christ. Listen, you can just text these words as a next step. All of us have a next step. And, and so if you want to take that next step now, and I encourage you to do it, you can just text these words that are on the screen or here in person, even better yet, you can just go across the hall to a next steps room and they can talk to you about baptism or about Bible study or about other things that'll help you to grow in your relationship with God. And God has so much life that he wants to give into you, not just today, but every day. Let's stand to our feet. I'm gonna ask our prayer partners to come. If you have a prayer need and you say, I wish somebody'd pray for me today, or I'd like to have somebody pray with me, these folks would love to pray with you, to pray for you, for anything in your life whatsoever before you leave today. So, so if you need prayer, come on down. Otherwise, next week, chapter two, second session, second installment of Galatians, we're gonna live free, free indeed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the freedom that we have in you. Holy Spirit, draw every person who needs prayer down here to the front to receive the prayer that they need today. And God, go with us. Help us to live so free that other people want what we have so that they can be drawn to you. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. And we like to be told how good we are when we're at our lows. We do not like to be told we need to chill out when we're not. And so I encourage you, get into a life group. If you're in a life group, I encourage you, go there with your life group. Don't allow yourself to become offended when people say the hard things to you. What's a good step in remembering that you are enough and that God is more than enough? Get in a life group. And so uh, to talk about this, uh, okay, here's, the, here's another thing, fully transparent. I'm not in a life group. And so when I was writing this message, I was literally sitting in the office and I was weeping because I was telling you to do something I'm not doing myself. So guess what? I'll be the first one in line at that life group fair and I'm gonna find me a life group and I'm gonna stick with it. I'm gonna show up because I was in a life group and guess what? I didn't show up. I made excuse after excuse after excuse as to why I was too busy to be in community. No excuse. No excuse. I will be at the life group fair. Watch me. I will be in a life, maybe I'll be in two life groups. Because community is so important and I'm so convicted. All right, here we go. To talk about life groups, I've invited a friend of mine up who has done a lot of life with me, especially this summer. Um, Alyssa serves on our team at CSM. And so she not only leads a life group for students, which by the way, we have life groups for students. They're called fans. That's how important they are. We have life groups for students. You know what? Your kids, they break up into groups at the end of every message because life together is important. And, and those little groups, that is the beginnings. That is, that, those are baby life groups. Baby life groups. 
but they talk about how their goldfish died and they need help, okay? And Alyssa has done leading a, a high school fam, which is not for the faint of heart. But she's also highly involved in a life group herself. And this woman is a woman of in incredible integrity and character. I believe that she's better for being in community with others. And Alyssa, I wanna tell you something. Serving alongside of you in different capacities through the, throughout the summer has made me realize what a gem you are. You have a smile that makes people know that you're friendly, but your heart is, there's nothing that compares. So you lead well by loving well. And I thank you for that. So I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Thank you. Oh my gosh. So many kind words. You can't talk like that before I'm supposed to say something to people. Um, anyway, uh, if you know me, um, I have a husband. His name is Matt. And he and I both really, really value being in community. And um, part of that is because it was modeled in the church that we were at before we came here. Um, and then, of course, when we decided to come here, part of the reason we have stayed here is because of the community that we have found. So some examples of how I have seen God work in my life personally, in our first life group, uh, Matt and I were not married yet when we started in that life group, but we were surrounded by couples, a few of them attend here now, um, who were already married. And their integrity with how they held their relationship helped Matt and I to hold um, yeah. the integrity before we got married to remain like pure until after we got married yeah. because we were stumbling before that like pure honestly we, we were stumbling but then being surrounded with yeah. with people who are holding that as you know crucial to their relationship in their marriage I I didn't I didn't want to do that anymore and neither yeah. did Matt and you can as an adult you know that it's hard to go back on that yeah. for a significant amount of time. And we did only because of Jesus and because of the community that we had. Yeah. So that's like the first example. And that yeah. was eight years ago, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and since we have come here, the life group that we have spent time with, are in, they're in the same season of life. We both have a two, we have, Matt and I have a two and a five-year-old. And several of the families that we're doing life with also have young children. Y'all know that it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> and some of the times that we feel the most low and the most frustrated in our parenting, those Wednesday nights that we get together and can be like, oh my gosh, I feel exhausted. I have nothing left to give my two wonderfully energetic and exhausting children. Um, there's, there's nothing different than being able to, to say those hard things. And our life group has always come around us and been like, yeah, it's hard. This is what we're going through too. And knowing, like you said, that you're not alone, yeah. it's you can't match that. Like yeah. we can do it together. And I know life groups look different, right? There's some life groups that you're not in the same stage or you're not in the same age and all that stuff. But God knits together life groups purposefully because the people you're with, he has planned. Yeah. He has, he's made that purposely That's for good. you. So maybe your life group looks like working out on a Monday night and that discussion afterward. Yeah, hey girl. <laughs> That's a plug for hey girl. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's fun. Come sometime. Um, that looks vastly different, right? Than sitting in a circle with parents and talking yeah. about parenting. I know the guys have another one that has some other name, but there's life groups specifically made for you that God wants you to take a part in. Yeah. And so I don't know, honestly, I don't know how people do life without life group because that's like, not I well. get filled up by that. You not know? well. They do it not well. Okay. There you go. 
I don't have any other like big significant stories. That's all other than God wants you to be in community. And yeah. once you are, the freedom you experience in that is unmatched. Yeah, so it's good. Get in a life group. If you don't like any of the life groups, lead a life group, right? I don't know if I'll lead a life group, but I'll definitely be in one. Number three, remember to trust God. What is a practical step for remembering to trust God? I can tell you, it starts tomorrow. 21 days of prayer, okay? You wanna remember how to trust God? You wanna get, you wanna get good with Jesus? Pray, talk to him. Be intentional. Listen, we're going to have the church open in the mornings. On Wednesday nights, we're going to have prayer services or worship services, depending on the week. You want to be here every chance you get. Because why? We draw from the faith that comes only by sacrificing and trusting God. There's going to be opportunities for you to submit prayer requests. That's putting trust in God, like, all right, God, I'm gonna write this down and let people pray over it. You don't have to put your name on it, but you could if you wanted, and people will pray over you. And so be at 21 days of prayer. Be here every Wednesday night at seven. Be here every Wednesday night at 6.50, because it starts at seven, and you want coffee, and a good seat, because listen, guys, 21 days of prayer will change your life. It will change your life. And so to, to tell you how it can change your life or give you an example of how it can change your life, I've invited my friends, Nick and Emily Shaw, to come up and share with you about the 21 days of prayer and how it has helped them stay free. These two individuals, second to none. I don't know if you know, but Nick does all of the cool stuff you see here at the church. He's our communications director. He makes everybody look good all the time. All the time. He's often behind the scenes. He has a very thankless job. But it's a very important job because it's because of him we are able to send this message far and wide. We're able to reach people for Jesus that we never were able to reach before because of this man's work. And then there's Emily. And can I tell you, Emily works at the daycare now, but even before then, she has been one of the most loyal human beings I've ever met in my life. Emily, you're incredible. Absolutely incredible. This, you are the epitome of see a need and meet it. You are the epitome of an Aaron and her. You hold up the arms of leaders time and time again so that when they go into battle, they are supported. They, are, they felt loved. They feel backed. They feel encouraged. I'm not trying to make you cry, but I kind of hope you cry because you know what? You also work behind the scenes in a very intentional way. And um, this place wouldn't be what it is without you too. So let, I'm going to let them talk. Uh, thank you so much. Um, I understand now how hard this is after Ashley says so many nice things about both of you. Um, if we haven't met yet, my name's Nick. This is my wife, Emily. Um, we're all around here. You'll find us somewhere. But my story or our story comes specifically out of 21 Days of Prayer. Um, and so we got married in 2014. Um, now, fast forward 2020, we are not like super young, um, like wanna be just living life, traveling all over the world people. We're ready um, to have a kid. 
uh, we're ready to have our first child. And, um, and so we prayed about it for a while, waiting on God's timing. And, um, and so January of 2020, during the 21 days of prayer, that was our prayer, was let 2020 be the year um, that we, we have a child and we get pregnant. And um, so we spent 21 days of prayer really focused on that. And we attended the Wednesday night services. We had people pray over us. Um, and then six months later, the August 21, 21 days of prayer comes by and um, we still have no child and we have no child in sight. Um, she's not pregnant and um, we've been trying real hard. As you know, COVID shut the world down, so there's not much else to do. And, uh, and uh, so we were trying our best uh, to make that happen. And I remember in August thinking, like, Lord, um, we heard you say, we both heard you clearly say um, that this was the year and this was the time, and, and, um, and it's not happening. And I'm beginning to get a little discouraged, but I'm still trusting you. And with these 21 days of prayer, we'll continue our focus, and we'll continue praying about that. We'll submit the prayer requests for Wednesday nights and, and all that. And um, fast forward six more months to the January 20, 2021 20, 21 days of prayer, and there was still no baby and no pregnancy. And um, we had, I'm not going to lie, we had lost hope, I think, um, by that point, because we had heard God say, um, this will happen, and it wasn't. Um, and so we resolved, maybe we misunderstood you, God. Maybe we misheard you. Um, we're going to come into the 21 days of prayer not, we're going to still pray for having a kid, but we're going to leave it up to you. And whatever happens, happens. And if this isn't meant for us, then you will um, illuminate something else that, that is for us. Um, and so I remember clearly we submitted our prayer card. And on a Wednesday night, Ashley here actually read it on stage and um, prayed for us and prayed for some other people who are struggling with the same thing. Um, and I thought, you know, like, that's great. But we've been through this. And it's not, I don't, I don't know that this is for us. Um, but wouldn't you know it? Uh, one month later, my wife uh, surprised me in our kitchen, essentially screamed and threw a pregnancy test at me and said, we're pregnant. Um, and we have our son Oliver now, who's nearly two, and he's just a handful, but he's so great. Yeah. And we wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. Uh, but my encouragement to all of you is to lean in during 21 days of prayer and keep pursuing what God has for you. Yeah. Because you might not hear an answer during this 21 days of prayer, but that doesn't mean you won't hear an answer ever. Yeah, that's good. That's good. See how incredible they are? All right, I'm done. I've done all that I can do. Now is the point where God does what only he can do. So, hey, if you, um, if you're, if you would call yourself a Christ follower in the room, which I think most of us would, lean in. There's always something that you can do to maintain your freedom. And so I've given you three practical steps. If you'd say, I'm doing all three of those, well, keep doing them. Keep doing them. You heard from Nick, like it wasn't, it wasn't 21 days the first time that God answered the prayer. It was a miracle in motion. And it was just as much a miracle that, the, that their son was born, but I think it was almost even more of a miracle that they learned persistence. That they learned to continually call on God even when they don't see the fruit. They planted the seed, but they didn't see the fruit. And can I tell you, the day you plant the seed is not the day that you get the fruit. 
And so these 21 days, I encourage you. Woo, sorry. Be here. Be engaged. Be tuned in. Get in a life group and go to growth track and serve others. And then more things will open up for you to do to continue to be free. But if you would say in this room, you would say, I'm not a Christ follower. I don't know how I ended up here today, really. Um, or I don't know how I ended up on the stream today, really. Can I tell you, it is not by accident that you are here in the room or you're watching online. God has a plan and a purpose for your life greater than you could ever imagine. And if you wanna experience freedom, because I would, I would say, I'm gonna say it pretty confidently because this is what I know to be true. When we don't have a relationship with Jesus, we are just as much bound up as we are when we're bound up in religion, okay? Because there are things that we run to. We are, we are wired to trust something. And maybe you are trusting a relationship that isn't Jesus. Maybe you are trusting a substance that is not taking you anywhere. Maybe you are trusting a bank account that is not looking like what you thought it would. And it will never, it never will. If you're putting your trust in anything other than the, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, I would be remiss not to tell you today that that is the most important decision that you can make. And it is the only way to freedom. The only way. There is no other way. So we're gonna pray and then we're gonna worship out. If I could have my prayer partners come forward now. I'm gonna pray first for all of us in the room that would say, all right, I've been set free by the King. I've been set free by the Savior, but I need to be a little bit better about not allowing myself to build up the barrier between me and God. And I need to be a little bit better about remembering that He, that he is more than enough, that I am enough, that I can trust Him, and that He's a good God. If that would be you in the room, I'm gonna pray for you, but then next I'm gonna pray for all the people that wanna say, I want to put my trust in a savior. That's why we exist. We are a church building here because we believe and we know that, we, that Jesus is the only way, he's the truth, he's the life, and we exist for you to be in this seat today. So we're gonna pray together, so let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. God, that you are a God that sees us exactly where we are at. You knit us together. You created us. You designed us exactly as we are. And so God, right now, we, we just lay aside every hindrance that has kept us from fully pursuing you, from being uncomfortable, really, because we've put up barriers that are, that are almost like protection for us. Because to be face to face with our Savior is vulnerable and it's raw and it's real. And so God, I pray that you would help us all to just come unhinged really and say no more. God, I'm gonna trust the uncomfortable walk that you lead us in. I'm gonna trust the vulnerable situations that you put us in. I'm gonna trust that your plan is greater than my plan and there's no works or things I could ever do to gain my way into your kingdom. I've already secured my salvation by putting my trust in you. So God, help me not to add to it with my own agenda and just to trust you and just to follow you.